Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Oh, here we go again. Welcome to Did You America? I'm Ian Canfield. He's Jeremy. This is season two, episode... I'm hungry. And uh, if you want to hear any of the previous episodes, we don't know how many there are because we don't know how many episodes we're up to now, but I can assure you that they are all at didyouamerica.com because unlike Joe Rogan, we've not had to remove any episodes of our podcast so far yeah yeah make sure to add that the moment spotify finds out that we're on there we might get canceled spotify if you i mean they i don't know if i believe that press release that they paid him a hundred million i mean i know they paid him a ridiculous amount of money that that sounds like a, a, a an even more ridiculous amount you specifically put in the the press release to get more press from it but you could pay us 50 million and i'd be quite happy to remove all of the podcasts we've done so far and um you know, become a Green New Deal person if that's what you want. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would take about $50. I, <laughs> I'm a very cheap whore. Uh, today is a, uh, a great day in my American calendar, I would like it to, to be known. We're recording this on uh, April 15th. And April 15th, 2021 That's the is officially five years since I moved to the greatest country on earth. Hey, yeah. I'm applauding myself. I'm applauding myself. America. America. I was in the departure lounge at Heathrow singing Neil Diamond. On the boats and on the planes, we're coming to America. You know what I was also doing? This is our musical episode, by the way. (laughs) We should have more musical episodes. Um, I can't wait till Ian Canfield coming to America, the musical gets made. They'll be be like, Ian Canfield's playing the the Eddie Murphy role. No, no, no. It's not that coming (laughs) to America. It's my coming. To America. I don't know. I think we should make a remake of that coming to America. I'd be a great Arsenio Hall. <laughs> I uh, my coming to America is a little bit different to the uh, to the to the Eddie Murphy story. Were you not an African king? No, oh. I was. Uh, I was a man desperate to get out of uh, Shitsville, UK, and and I was coming to America because I'd got a job uh, on the radio in uh, Phoenix. Much as I love almost all things American, one thing I will tell you that is always. Uh, a little bit of a, a negative about getting jobs in America is that um, it's always been my experience that um, American companies are very quick to chase. They're extremely, extremely long in the tooth when it comes to committing. As in, they say that they they want you and they'll wine and dine you. If it was a if it was more of a regular relationship, right? You can get like wined and dined and fucked super quickly. Hey, but but and then they'll say that they want to marry you. But the difference in time between them saying that you're getting engaged and actually getting married it could be years. But once once they once they've committed to getting married, they want want to know why the marriage certificate wasn't delivered yesterday that's like my experience of being employed in america are you sure you're talking about your job or are you talking about your last relationship <laughs> no definitely my last job or the job that got me to the greatest country on earth because um 
they were uh, talking to me about uh, maybe hiring me um, for more than a year. And then suddenly they were, okay, we're all in. And then, because, you know, I come from Shitsville, I need a visa. So I said, well, you got to, you know, we need to get the paperwork done, which we got done. But the second that they committed to, we're going to hire Ian Canfield and give and, and, and get him a visa, I was literally getting calls from the sales department at the radio station I was going to work for going, well, why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? Why? I'm like, because you only fucking filed the papers yesterday. <laughs> like, I've been talking to the radio station for literally 18 months and literally the day that they were like okay we're hiring a Brit we're bringing him over well why aren't you here why aren't you here why aren't you here that, and so <laughs> you it, know, there's a process that goes along with right that. exactly so it, and it was so went from being 18 months of yes we're gonna hire you to literally well you need to be here yesterday right wait you're not American it went so it went so down to the wire that um, if you get a visa uh, you have to get it printed in your foreign passport right I had this, this was my moving to America, right? I had the big emotional goodbye with my family in Shitsville, UK, right? Hopped into a, a cab to li- I was staying at my sister's house for a few weeks before I moved to the greatest country on earth. Hopped into a cab to go to the airport. We had to go via this industrial business park, which just happens to be near Heathrow Airport, but it looks like a scene out of a gangland movie, right? <laughs> Because that's where, if they haven't got time to send your passport back to you, they hold the passports so you can go and pick it up because, you know, arguably it's more secure that you go in person to retrieve your passport with the visa printed in it, right? So imagine this scene. I'm leaving my sister's house. Uh, we just ordered a regular cab to take me to the airport. Like, the guy thinks he's taking someone on vacation. He's not expecting, like, this whole family, everyone in right. tears, like we're at a funeral. It's like a big scene. Exactly. Literally a big scene on my sister's doorstep. And, um... And he didn't speak to me for about the first 10 minutes because, you know, I'm still weeping in the car. Because as much as I hate Shitsville, you know, it's, it's very, I, I love my immediate family. It's very difficult to leave them. Oh, by the way, also, I was leaving the day before one of my niece's birthday. She's still never forgiven me for that. <laughs> you couldn't leave two days later? <laughs> Literally. Did I'm you like, I'm like, her a present? I'm like, no, I couldn't leave two days later because the station in Arizona, why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? <laughs> and that's why you didn't get a present. <laughs> also, there was another reason why I couldn't leave two days later, which we'll come to in a second, which kind of makes me sound a bit bad in terms of my niece's birthday, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that part of the story. So anyway, I've wiped my eyes. The cab driver has been thinking like, what the hell's going on here? This is not just someone going to, you know, Tenerife for a vacation. This ain't someone going to Ibiza for a week. (laughs) And um, anyway, so he says, oh, so uh, where are you off to? And I said, oh, you know, I'm moving, blah, 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 blah. But we got to go via this business park that's near Heathrow Airport. And so the guy's like, why? And I said, because I need to pick up my passport. (laughs) So you imagine being the cab driver. We're literally driving into a business park, like a real industrial looking business park that's got no signs or anything because they keep it all nondescript because there's so many like high level government documents, I guess, that are kept there. And this guy's thinking... I'm driving this random British person who's just had this whole scene with about 10 of his family all in tears an hour ago. We're now driving through what looks like a gangland setting for like industrial building uh, site 
in London. He's going to pick up something that he claims is his passport from a building that's got no signs outside, and then we're going to the airport. He was thinking one of two things. Either A, he was taking a criminal to the airport that was trying to flee the country, or B, passport is street slang for math. Right, exactly. Or it just looked like I was going to do something really, really dodgy. Anyway, I couldn't think of a better way to start my new life in the greatest country on earth. Because by the way, once I picked up the passport that's got my visa in it, get to the airport two hours early. I spent two hours in the departure lounge. I took a picture of my passport and I was literally texting it to everyone I knew in the UK going, look, I've got the visa. I'm leaving leaving." (laughs) that song too in the coming to America musical, right? (laughs) Well, you know, hopefully next time if you, you know, to avoid all this trouble, instead of a visa, you get a MasterCard. (laughs) Right. So anyway, um, the real reason, I mean, they did want me like yesterday at the radio station, but I kind of, I lied to them and said that the um, the visa was taking two days longer than it actually was because I wanted to fly into Los Angeles, first of all, because it just so happened that I had to book everything at the last minute. But this is what, I, I, my concern wasn't so much I was moving my life to America and I had to start a new radio gig. My concern with the timing of when the visa came through and allowed me to travel was if it came through on time and it was so touch and go as to whether it did or it didn't, because you don't know how many days or weeks it's going to take to process the papers. Iron Maiden were playing two nights in Los Angeles. (laughs) So when I told my niece, who was very upset that, that. that that I had to leave the day before her birthday, the real reason was because the day before her birthday and on the day of her birthday, the next day, at the forum in Los Angeles. It was the Book of Souls tour from Iron Maiden. (laughs) See, you did that in the wrong era. You know, she, because of social media, I'm sure she then the next day on her birthday saw photos of you like rocking out at the concerts. Like, wait, this is what you went to America for? She she was- You loved me, Uncle Ian. She was was too young, but she is getting to an age now where, because she, obviously it's her birthday tomorrow. So she's going to be seven tomorrow. My sister won't let her have a phone yet. But as soon as she's got a phone and she gets to grips with social media, retrospectively, she's going to realize that this was the case and never speak to me again. Because I guarantee tomorrow when I when I FaceTime her to say happy seventh birthday, whatever, I've got some nice presents that are at my sister's house, whatever I've got her, however nice I am to her on her birthday, whatever our conversation is, there will be at some point, she'll bring up the fact, oh, I remember when I was three, four, five, six, seven, two, Turning to, to, I can't do the math. Five years ago, so she would have been turning eighty-seven. <laughs> no, if, if two, three, four, five, six, seven. When she was turning two, oh, right? Okay. I remember when I was turning two, and you left to move to America. <laughs> like she doesn't really remember it. I remember it was kind of explained to her when she was about to be two, and she was a bit upset. But now, as she's got older, she understands that that's what happened. If she ever hears this podcast, she's gonna be like. Because she, she certainly knows who Iron Maiden are by this age. You don't get to be seven in my family and not have yeah. some Iron Maiden knowledge, whether you want it or not. <laughs> so if she ever hears the, uh, you know, the actual real reason why I had to go the day before, it was the Book of Souls tour. So essentially what you're saying is the day she gets a phone is when this podcast is over? Uh, well, kind of. Oh. I mean, it'd be a new thing for someone to be cancelled by their niece. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> wow. <Well, I don't... laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, imagine this in the uh, in the in the uh, Ian Canfield coming to America, not that one, the musical. Yeah. Right. We'll work on a better, more catchy title. I think we should steal it. Um, so. Uh, it's a long flight from Shitsville to Los Angeles. And even with the eight hour time difference, because the, the, the plane takes that long to get there, there's not a lot of time between the scheduled landing time in Los Angeles and the moment at which Bruce Dickinson will be taking to the stage. Right. To start with the new song, If Eternity Should Fail. What a great song title. You remember it was, the set It was list? him in a... Mis- oh, I could recite you, Setley. You name me the year, I'll recite you the set list. I feel it's, like the only reason you even know what your niece's birthday is... Is because, because of, of the Iron day. Maiden. <laughs> Mr. Fogg and him going, Here is the soul of a man! That's song three in Coming to America, the musical. <laughs> Iron Maiden song, If Eternity Should Fail. So anyway, didn't have a lot of time. So I'm staying with my buddy, Stephen. Now, he does listen to these podcasts, so hello, Stephen. What up, Steve? I'll always be uh, very grateful to uh, Stephen for providing this service. So I, I'm going to stay with him for a couple of days because I've got to do two days of Maiden before I then go on to Phoenix to, to, to start my new life. And Stephen lives in Los Angeles. So I text Stephen and I go, look, I'm moving with two suitcases, right? I haven't got time to get to your house and drop them off. Like, you need to pick me up from the airport, drive me to the Iron Maiden venue, and then you can go home and take my suit. So basically, Stephen is my cabbie at the other end. So I literally, imagine this, this is the start of my new life. I arrive in Los Angeles with my two suitcases. Stephen meets me at the airport. I've been on the plane for 11 hours. We don't go back to his place. Like, I don't, like, go to the bathroom or change clothes. We, he literally drives me from the airport to the forum in Los Angeles, and I go into the backstage to, like, to the Iron Maiden hospital. He, he's not joining the show. No, because he's got. Whoa! I can't leave my suitcase. He's in the right. back of no, his car. I, I get it. No, no. I it's mean, in he, LA. That's dangerous. He and the forum is not in a good part no, of town. I'm, I'm being serious. It's very dangerous. Exactly. Here. So I mean, he did sort of mention to me about me getting a plus one. And I went, well, what about my suitcases? Yeah, my suitcases are the plus one. And he was like, and he was like, well, I said, listen, I've done way worse to my niece about missing her birthday. <laughs> so don't you bitch at me about not being able to go to Iron right. Maiden. You're not even an Iron Maiden fan. Neither she, which is why she's going to hold this against me even more when she eventually hears this story. So anyway, I just wanted to relive, uh, relive that moment. It's my it's my fifth uh, anniversary, and I can't think of, 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 of a better way to have started it than two days of back-to-back Iron Maiden. Prioritize that over my niece's birthday. Well, hopefully your former bosses don't hear this podcast, or they're going to be pissed. I think by that, you know, I was there for four years in Phoenix. They got to know me well enough over that time that, it, to be honest, anyone who knows me, it would be no surprise that I prioritized Iron Maiden over my family and my new job in the greatest country on earth. Yeah, I've only known you for about a year, and that's probably the one thing I know about you. Anyway, I think we're off to a great start of uh, Coming to America, not that one, the Ian Canfield musical. It starts with Neil, Neil Diamond's Coming to America. We stick in an Iron Maiden song no one's ever heard of. Uh, and Eventually then we'll, we'll get an original. And then, and then, we'll, and then we'll, we'll be, oh, I can't wait to send a message to Bruce Dickinson going, do you want to write a song for my musical? <laughs> He's going to write all of the <laughs> Neither of us are songwriters. <laughs> anyway, uh, the the update now back in the uh, the present uh, world is that Jeremy is now working out with a personal trainer, uh, yes. and I can't I cannot wait to hear about this. When we pre-recorded the previous episode. 
He left my apartment looking kind of sheepish because he was going to meet his personal trainer and do a... I mean, here's my experience of working with personal trainers. It don't matter what you think you're doing in the gym by yourself, whether you're you're following a men's health workout or you've been on YouTube or whatever and you think you're doing some sort of a regime. When you step it up from trying to be diligent about working out yourself and then actually going to do an hour on a regular basis with an actual trainer, you're in a whole different world. And it's definitely a world where your bones ache a lot more. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, can't you tell the difference? I'm surprised you recognized me when I walked into your apartment and didn't think, what is Arnold Schwarzenegger here doing? And when did he become my podcast partner? Still thought you looked like a fat Walter Becker. I, the, the, only thing that, the only thing that surprised me is that you didn't moan when you sat down. Yeah, I, was expecting your, I was expecting your butt to hurt. <laughs> well, normally I do moan when I go up and go down, but already that's the first thing. I'm able to move my body and not feel like I'm dying. Oh. Yeah, it's a great plus. I, really, all I'm doing here is I'm trying to get prepped for white boy summer. It's going to be a big one this year, so I figured got to get in shape for the ladies. Right, I see. Now, what is he having you do? Because already I'm thinking, well, this is a waste of time. Oh, you should be hurting. No, I mean, I'm definitely not comfortable. I don't know what he has. I just listen to what he does and I do it. I don't think about what I'm actually working out. He came the other day. We uh we worked out yesterday. And he was like, "What part?" Oh, you've you done two days since oh, I last I saw every, you. I'm telling you, I White Boy Summer is coming up fast. Are you on the Are you on the No Days Off regime? No Days Off on oh. Sundays. I'll take Sundays. Okay, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a but day yeah, of rest, as my granddad yeah, used to exactly. say. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, Really, what happened? So yeah, he he asked me the other day. He's like, "What part of your body do you want to work out?" I said, "That's your job, brother. You're the you're the trainer here. You pick what I work out." Right. But uh, yeah. I'm not hearing enough about pain and discomfort. No, I'm fine. I here's the thing: is for a short, fat, unathletic person, I am a incredible athlete. Apparently, because I'm doing this stuff perfectly fine. He's honestly kind of shocked. Does he think you look so terrible and in such bad shape that if he pushes you like he would a regular person, you're going to die on him? Is that the, is he afraid of <laughs> no, you just having a heart attack? He's doing the same workouts with me, just with like you know more weight and whatnot. But here's the thing: is I've always <clears throat> been uh, a hefty dude. You know, I've never been skinny, but I've always just embraced it. I've never been like extremely obese. And when I quit cigarettes back in March, you know, that's when I started doing minor workouts, you know, to kill the time and, you know, when I wanted a cigarette. And I thought that that would be enough to maintain my weight. It didn't. I got to the heaviest point I ever was. I hit 240 pounds. And what really made me realize, like, all right, I actually for once in my life have to do something is it wasn't that, you know, shirts I had to get bigger, my pants no longer fit me. When I would get out of the shower towels no longer fit me i could no longer wrap my towel around my goddamn belly and have it locked in on the other side without holding it up and so at that point <laughs> you're laughing but that was a that was a terrible moment in my life that's the pain you're laughing at me for if new york producers listening this podcast is definitely called you know you're fat when towels don't fit you <laughs> oh my well, I, and i started thinking like how is this happening like i'm i'm working out more than i ever have and i realized that i what i had replaced cigarettes with was dessert I had started eating dessert after every single right. meal and did not miss it. That's the one thing that when I started a diet this week, I, I can no longer have dessert. I love dessert. All I want is a piece of cake after my meal. Right. And that's no more. I, um, 
Oh, I I started working out with a, a trainer buddy of mine quite a few years ago when I was still in Shitsville. And I went through that thing of thinking, well, you know, I could work out harder and be more diligent, but I thought I was doing quite a good job. And then I started training with him. Now, before I was training with him, I do two, maybe even three days of what I thought were decent weights workouts and then a day or two of cardio. So I thought I was being good because I'd be in the gym for maybe even five days a week doing stuff. And he took a look at what I was doing and he goes, okay, if we're going to train together, we're going to do it three days a week. And I'm, oh, I'm already in there five days a week. He's like, you won't be once you start doing these workouts with me. And your motivation ends real quick. Oh, it, it, oh, it was, and I tell you this, and um, uh, th- this might sound disgusting what I'm about to say. When we started doing the weights workout seriously with my buddy, Dan, the trainer, I started farting <laughs> and I couldn't stop farting oh, no. for about two months. Were you in like a public gym? <laughs> it wasn't. No, this was the thing. His workouts were so intense. It wasn't so much that I was farting specifically while doing the workouts. I was farting 24 seven. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't st- because he, now I, anyone who's properly in the fitness, uh, let me know if, uh, this is a, a sound theory on, on weight or just getting fitter. He would always subscribe to the idea that, yeah, if you want to get fitter, you can go for a run or do some sort of cardio. But the reality is you're only having an impact on your body while you're doing that cardio and for a short period afterwards because it's about getting your heart rate up and pretty quickly after you stop running or whatever, the heart rate gets back to normal. Whereas if you hit weights and do weights hard, you don't want to do them to the point that you're straining your body, but you're going to cause all the different muscles to ache because they're not used to being worked. And that ache stays around for a much longer time. So therefore the body is constantly trying to replenish itself. And and that's why you have a much more long-term benefit from doing weights, at least initially, rather than doing cardio. So we did this for a week and everything, I mean, I could, you'd sitting down on the toilet was painful. I mean, it was just every, everything, everything was uncomfortable. And, um, we got about a week into it and I said, uh, he said, how do you feel? I said, Dan, I can't stop farting. I mean, literally <laughs> I have been, I have been a fart machine. It was See, like, that's always been my problem pre diet. <laughs> and he goes, well, you know what it is? We're mobilizing all that old fat. And I said, what do you mean? Because you've been fat for ages. <laughs> that old fat's really stubborn. And because the body's trying to replenish itself with all of the aches and pains that the weightlifting has, has brought on, um, basically, you're mobilizing the fat. And I said, right? And he goes, so all that farting, like that's the, the fat's mobilizing in your body. You're doing well. And I said, well, how long am I going to? I'm going to like fucking fart man here. This is, and he goes, uh, well, looking at you. Probably about six to seven weeks. I tell you, two months. Couldn't stop. Wow. Couldn't stop farting. Oh, no. Couldn't stop farting. Um, so anyway. I I, going down public was fun during I, that era. Oh, um, I do remember. I was, uh, as I said, I was in Shitsville. I was working at a radio station in Shits, Shitsville. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't even want to see the toilet after <laughs> I'd been there. Um, you were in America, but it, for that two-month period, it was Shitsville. <laughs> I mean, I could eat barbecue every day for the rest of my life, and it wouldn't look as bad as what right. I'm talking about. Uh, I told you it could get a bit gross during this episode. Yeah. I remember um, 
I was in a studio and out doing a radio show and outside of the studio was like a, a, a sort of a holding area uh, because it was it was a complex of studios, but there was like a holding area where there were sofas. So if, if any radio stations in my building had guests come in, you'd sort of sit them on the sofas and then move them right. into an allotted studio to do an interview or whatever. So anyway, I just, uh, my on-air studio was kind of small. I just used to keep the door open because, you know, fart man here, I can't, you know, while I'm doing <laughs> yeah, the show. That's trying to be... I do remember uh, one of the other hosts from my radio station bringing in a band. It might have been someone of note, but I can't remember who. But they moved into the room and I remember just hearing her go, okay, well, we'll be with you in about uh, 10 minutes if you want to take a seat. And there's like some very comfortable sofas that I'm sitting on and I just just heard her go... I don't know why it smells of farts in this room. Oh, no. When when the smelly band is telling you this room smells bad, you know you got an issue. Oh, so anyway, what we've learned from this segment is I was one of us is doing working out very wrong. I don't know whether it's me well, because of the farts or you because you're not having well, them. I'll say this. Maybe I am cheating a little bit and maybe he thinks I'm working out a lot harder than I am. So he's not pushing me to the levels he probably should because I sweat at everything. Like it doesn't take a lot of effort to make me sweat. I sweat when I eat. I sweat when I sleep. Anytime I'm walking, like I am drenched in sweat. There was one time when I was living in Arizona, my, uh, my car actually broke down somewhere. And I, as opposed to trying to get fixed, I just left it in the parking lot because I was a pothead kid and was like, no, I'd rather go home and smoke weed about it. So I left (laughs) my car and decided, oh, I'm just going to walk home. It's only a mile away. A walk that my roommates made every single day, more than that, going to campus back and forth. But when I got back to our house, I was, first of all, it wasn't even summer Arizona. This is winter Arizona. It was like 50 degrees and perfect. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. There should have been no reason in my very slow walk of possibly a mile at most, I was sweating. But when I got back, I was like, someone, water, please, drenched in sweat. They're like, what happened? I was like, I walked. (laughs) <laughs> more than 25 steps so i i can imagine the during these actual workouts i'm so soaking wet that the trainer's like yeah he's getting it only do five of those push-ups you're fine I, or to my original point he's looking at you thinking oh my god if i get him to do six we are gonna have a heart attack yeah i'm not trying to kill my friend here <laughs> has he um have you got onto the importance of sleep this was the only bit of uh trying to get properly fit that I really enjoyed because the diet sucks and the uh, the working out is super hard. But the third major component that my buddy, the trainer, used to promote as the, the third most important thing was that you get enough sleep. And I was all about getting more sleep. Well, we haven't talked about it, but this is actually an issue I've been kind of researching a little bit on my own lately and you know what i'm happy you told me that because i'm now no longer working out and gonna blame my lack of sleep for all my health issues i realized the other day that what i thought was getting a full night's sleep is not how most people sleep i'm apparently awake throughout the majority of the night you got have you got one of these no, 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 I just, I, you know, I was I was having a conversation with a friend. I was saying how, like, I, first of all, I don't remember having a dream in years. I know they say, like, when you're sleeping, you don't remember every dream. But, like, I could not tell you the last time I woke up and was like, oh, that was weird. I had this thought going on in my head. 
And basically what I realized is, is what most people when the, you know, when they're like completely zonked out and they call it like REM sleep, I apparently do not hit that stage because I'm always all throughout the night, well aware of what's going on. My eyes are just kind of closed. And I've always thought that that was sleeping. Apparently that's not what people do at night. Oh yeah, so I appear like I'm apparently an insomniac times twelve. I'm not fat. I mean, I'm an insomniac. That's your new defense. <laughs> yeah, take that, <laughs> I'm Mom. only fat because I'm an insomniac. Yeah, I mean, like, trust me. I, I mean, like, I've had nights of sleep to where like I hit that level, and so that's what I know what it's aware of. But yeah, for the most part, like the majority of nights, I'm just kind of up half asleep with my eyes closed. And are you sure? Are you an sure? Hour of like actually like not being aware and zonked out. Are you sure that these this isn't actually sleeping? Like when people have dreams, they dream about doing stuff in reality and being active. So you being awake, are you not sleeping, but you're dreaming about being awake? No, I'm thinking and like having very like conscious. Thoughts. Like you wanna you wanna dream about having sex with a supermodel, and because you're not having those dreams, and your dreams <laughs> exactly. are clear, and your dreams are fucking dull. Well, you mean, just like, think that you don't dream. I remember. No, I'm aware that I do dream, but like you know, they say you have X amount of dreams every single night, and you know, you remember. Uh, let's say a percentage of those dreams. I could not tell you the last time I woke up the next morning and being like, oh, wow, that wasn't real life. Like, it doesn't happen for me anymore. It's happened to me in the past. When I was a kid, I dreamt all the time. I had crazy dreams. I'd be on the plank and a pirate would be stabbing me to get into the water and then I'd fall off the ship and I'd wake up and not drowning. It was craziness. Now you now you got a personal trainer. You should be dreaming about doing a plank. That's what you should be doing now. <laughs> now, I, now I, if anything, I'm dreaming about eating chicken sammies. <laughs> I, had a, I, I was doing uh, some radio this week with uh, Chris Arnold, who's a big presenter in uh, DFW. And he told me a great story about a dream. So he used to do a morning show in DFW. And we were talking about being late for radio shows. And he said that um, he got woken up by a phone call about 10 minutes after his morning show had started and he was already in bed. But the reason he thinks that he slept through it was because he was having a dream that his alarm went off. He got out of bed, got dressed and was driving his car into the radio station. What a dream. There's no dragons or anything. But my point being that in his dream, he was doing what he should have been doing at that time of day. And, the, and he said, I was in my dream. I was just at the point where I pulled up to the parking lot and was about to leave my car to walk up to the studio. And then ring, ring, suddenly the dream stops and I'm in my bed. Would you... Uh, I was like, this is like some radio version of how they explained the shooting in Dallas <laughs> in, in the TV show. You know, uh, like when you were in school back in the day, this I feel like every single person who was a student in college had to deal with this dream where like you'd you'd be asleep and but you would think you were awake, obviously, and you would have forgotten a really important assignment or something like that. So, okay, this is literally the last dreams, uh, like reoccurring dream also that I, I can remember myself having. It was the year after I graduated college. So I was already done with school. But every time in my dream, I would have the scenario where it was coming towards the end of the semester. Mm. And then I would have the realization that it wasn't an assignment that I forgot to turn in. I had gone the entire semester with forgetting to go to an entire class. And then I start thinking like, why? Why am I having this dream? What does it mean? And I just remembered, it, 
it was a memory. It wasn't a dream. That happened to me my freshman year at college. When I was in Arizona, I made it to the end of the year and then remembered, oh, shit, I had a fifth class, and I didn't go to it <laughs> once this year. <laughs> Yeah, I still occasionally have a dream where I'm going to take an exam uh, for school or college and I get really concerned because I haven't done any study or any classes and and I always wake up from that dream feeling really concerned that it's reality. Right. And then I and then it normally takes me probably about a minute in bed to think, "Oh no. No, no, no. I don't I haven't got any I haven't taken any exams." in about 20 years, <laughs> a, apart from my written driving test to get an American driver's license. And I think this has reignited my, that reoccurring dream because it took me three attempts to pass that written driving <laughs> test. Not because I'm bad at driving. The actual driving part I was fine right. with, but I think... The written test is hard. It's multiple choice. I mean, I, I, I was thinking like, my God, I, and it was not so much... Again, my driving, I think I'm pretty good at driving and the actual driving bit of the test, I passed quite easily. But I hadn't taken an exam in so long, I'd just become terrible at the art of right. taking an exam. Three attempts attempts at a multiple choice on driving <laughs> test to pass. So that kind of reoccurring dream about being in an exam situation at school that I hadn't done any work towards, that dissipated until I got that to three times ask a question, answer a question about how far away from a fire hydrant you have to park, <laughs> and then it all came back See, again. I had to actually retake my driving test three times too, but it was when I was 15. And the same reason why I never uh, had that type of reoccurring dream is because I shit you not, Throughout my entire schooling education career, I never once opened a book and studied. <laughs> I always just took it as like, I either retained the information or I didn't. Let's get it. Maybe that's why it took me seven years to graduate college. I don't know. But I guess I don't have that dream because I don't know the feeling of opening a book and actually learning the information. So for when I was 15 in driver's ed, I didn't try to pay attention. I didn't open the book. I just said, whatever, I'll answer these questions and maybe I'll get it. Yeah. Eventually, I passed. Right. Well, anyway, I hope everyone's enjoyed uh, part one of uh, Did You America Today. Uh, it's been, I mean, we're almost experts on health, the, <laughs> things that, the things that we've dissected. The one thing I will say before we wrap up that I was going to add, um, so I think anyone who works in fitness will preach to you that uh, sleep is important. My favorite thing I learned about sleep from my training buddy was that he used to do body fat measurements on me and would claim that um, different parts of your body and how flabby you were related to different things. So certain things were about fat in your diet, certain fat cells were related to the amount of carbohydrates that you would have. And if you bought into this, how flabby your calf was, was about the level of sleep quality that you got every oh. night. So I would say to, I was, I, when we really got into this, I, I, I was dropping body fat and I was working out hard and having the most boring diet and not drinking. It was so dull. And um, the one thing he'd be like, oh, your calf is, is still flabby. You've got to get a better night's sleep. And I'd say, I'm sleeping really well. And then he would go, no, I think like you think you're sleeping well, but it's actually, you're not having a good, uh, a, a good quality of sleep. And we had to try all of these different things. And, and I bought into it so much at the time that it's only in more recent times I've questioned, what a load of shit. How can you, <laughs> how can you tell me that how much fat is on my calf 
is related to how well I'm sleeping. And now when I think about it retrospectively, he brought that in as a, he take like belly fat and fat on your, under your arms and stuff like that. He brought in the measuring of the calf way into the workout regime. And now when I think about it, it's because he didn't want to be down there measuring my calf in the first couple of months because I'd have been farting out. Of <laughs> Can you imagine? He's trying to get a calf measurement and my backside's just going... I can tell you that that trainer absolutely reads his horoscope every day. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with a Song of the Week update and some other stuff in part two. Don't forget, if you want to talk to the show, uh, didyouamerica.com is where you can go uh, for previous episodes and if you want to leave us a message and if you want to buy a t-shirt and if you want to vote for Song of the Week didyouamerica.com for all of the above all right, let's do part two of Did You America. If you want to get in touch with the show, didyouamerica.com is where you need to go. That is also where you can vote for Song of the Week. Or there is a poll on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter. These are the Song of the Week choices. Uh, New York producer has gone with Starstruck by Years and Years. I went with Miguel So I Lie. And I quite predictably, went with uh, 21 Pilots' new one and Shy Away. So which do you prefer? Shy Away by 21 Pilots, So I Lie by Miguel, or Starstruck by Years and Years? Uh, vote at didyouamerica.com song, or check out the poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield on Twitter. And don't forget, if you do go to the website, uh, that's where you can hear previous episodes. And uh, send us a message if you are so inclined. Um, <clears throat> Quick bit for the benefit of those people who live in the great state of Texas, because that's where we are, and I know we have uh, quite a lot of uh, local listeners. Actually, people from outside of Texas, um, anyone listening anywhere in the world, probably aware of the Texas freeze that happened back in February. We had the coldest temperatures in more than 100 years in Texas. I can't remember. It was like... I had a like minus 13 or something ridiculous. It I was cold enough that I didn't have internet for two weeks. Let's just put it that way. Right. It, it was so cold that ERCOT, which is the major power provider for Texas, they're one thing that's not great in the great state of Texas. They had to do uh, rolling blackouts on people's power. Um, and so people were without power for, in many cases, several hours in a row for several days in a row. And in some cases, some people had no power or water at all for three to four days. And um, it was because ERCOT, the power provider, weren't ready for Texas to have its coldest temperatures in 100 years. That was bad enough. This past week on Tuesday when the temperature was about 80 degrees, barely 80 degrees in the great state of Texas. Urkel put out a statement saying, Texans, can you conserve energy because we might have to shut off your power again? This is like the people that run public transport in the UK. There's always delays on the trains and the subway doesn't work properly and you can't get anywhere on time. America, and specifically the great state of Texas, should be better than this. Well, the weird part was is they put out that message like, hey guys, can you please conserve on this perfectly normal weather day? And then like, once everyone started freaking out, they put out another message being like, oh no, don't worry, blackouts aren't coming. You guys are fine. We're just asking for a little bit of help. And it's like, 
Uh, yeah, ERCOT, that's what you told us last time. The exact same message, and then you screwed us. How are we supposed to believe you this time? To give you a little bit of, uh, of um, background on this, and I think I'm not uh, out of place, probably typical of most people um, in the great state of Texas. On this day, I mean, it was warm. It was about 80 degrees. It was you a beautiful know, day. You know what 80 degrees is in the great state of Texas? That is when you keep your windows open and you don't even put your air conditioning on. So ERCOT were asking people to conserve power on a day that Texans would typically think, oh, it's a beautiful day, but it's only 80 degrees. So I'll have my doors and windows open because soon it's going to be 20 degrees hotter than this and in the 100s. And that's when I'm going to have my AC cranked up and I can't have any of my doors or windows open because it will just let in air that's way too hot from the outdoors. So ERCOT is asking Texans to conserve power, concerned that Texans are going to be running too much AC at a time when in literally a few weeks, it's going to be 20 degrees hotter. You know, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but I'm still not fully convinced that ERCOT's a real thing. I mean, we never heard of this company before. Now, all of a sudden, like every time we need a distraction, ERCOT does something to piss everyone off. Well, they also, they're, they're very alarmist. I mean, it was real that people lost power and in some cases, water for several days back in February when we had the freeze and that was terrible but do you remember after the freeze and the power came back on and then ERCOT put out a statement trying to make us feel lucky whereby they said oh well these weren't the exact words they used but they might as well have said oh you think you've had it bad let us tell you if we didn't do the rolling blackouts on power the entire grid of Texas could have gone down for several months. We were, and they were so specific about it. They didn't say five minutes away. They said it was, it was four minutes and a specific amount of seconds. It was something like Texas, the entire state of Texas, was four minutes and 37 seconds away from a blackout that could have lasted months. And I thought... Fuck you, ERCOT. Fuck you for trying to make it seem like a scene in MacGyver where if he doesn't choose the green wire or the red wire correctly, the bomb's going to explode. You know when in those scenes where they just cut the wire and it's like right. six seconds to spare and everyone goes... <sighs> well, that's even more proof that ERCOT clearly isn't a real Texas company because they should know Texans don't want to hear about your problems. We just want you to hear our problems. <laughs> Everything about them is very, very un-Texan, I have to say. They're definitely from Oklahoma. <laughs> there I said it. So, yeah, that's one thing uh, with uh, that's been happening in the great state of Texas. Uh, oh, the other thing is, and uh, maybe this uh, adds to Jeremy's theory that we are getting closer and closer to Jeff Bezos being a real-life Bond villain. Um, this week, his company, which I believe is called Blue Origin, uh, they, for the first time, successfully launched and landed a new rocket um, somewhere in West Texas. Yeah, they, I, I know he had this facility in West Texas, and they've tried to do the rocket launches before, but they've not been successful. But now they've launched one and landed one. Bezos says, next step, humans in space. I mean, sure, that sounds all good, but... I mean, it doesn't sound like the rocket went to space. It sounds like it went up and landed, I don't know, like a bomb? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. We're, we, 
we keep letting Bezos and Musk and Zuckerberg and all these eccentric billionaires do all these crazy things. And we're like, science, so cool. Not realizing they are clearly planning world domination. Bezos, was it... Um Bezos, we spoke about on a previous episode of the podcast that wanted to uh, manufacture his own Jurassic Park. No, that was Elon Musk. He, Bezos is the one who wanted to build a giant clock, doomsday clock, inside a mountain, like a bomb. Right, What's right. What's deal with explosives? Well, yeah. Now, who had the flamethrowers? That was Musk, yeah. Okay. One's about fire, one's about total destruction. Either <laughs> way, one's a Bond villain, one's a Batman villain. They both, we don't have a James Bond, we don't have a Batman. Right, right. We have me and you, and we're not willing to do anything but talk. Right. <laughs> and then having said that, if Jeff Bezos came to us and said, hey, I've got one of those $100 million Joe Rogan-type deals to make your podcast an Amazon exclusive, like, we'd sign up. Oh, we'd I'd be like, we, we, the world, I'm with you. I'd be like, well, you, want us to do a, you want us to do a couple of podcasts from The Rocket? I'm in. Yeah, you need us to kill all the people for you? Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> When Propaganda you, messages got you. When you uh, you've you've long held this theory that Bezos is like a Bond villain, and he then looks what, like what, one. he does look like one. And then when I read the story about a successful uh, rocket launch from West Texas and him going, "All right, it went up and it came back down. Okay, so next time it's humans." I'm just thinking, all right, well, this is like the the Moonraker reboot, but not so camp. <laughs> like we don't have we just, we we've got it's like the Moon Moonraker, but without the campiness of Roger Moore, just with the real real life like sinister elements of Daniel Craig, right? For sure, Bezos isn't even good enough for Never Say Never Again. <laughs> of course, he's not. Nowhere near. <laughs> Nowhere near. Although Never Say Never Again was about hijacking missiles and turning them on on America. That could be a Bezos thing, That's right? That's clearly his influence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, um, I, 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 go on. I was just going to say, I feel like the whole obsession with space is always, no matter what, about aliens. Like, everyone's so determined to find aliens. I think it's time we realize aliens don't exist. Supervillains absolutely exist. Aliens do not exist. But they, um, the betting odds just went down this week, right? Where is, I've got detailed files on this. Um, yeah, uh, down to 20 to 1 are the odds of humans making alien contact because apparently the Pentagon has acknowledged that UFOs are real. They're, they're, every so often there's some footage that comes out that people think is is alien footage. And I guess there's one bit that came out recently and uh, somehow this week the Pentagon basically said, um, yeah, we don't know what that is. That could be a UFO. Well, here's the thing is they every once in a while they do that. And over the last few years, you know, there's been uh, these big releases of UFO documents. And when you really break it down every time, it's just kind of like another plane that they didn't recognize in their airspace. It's never like something, a flying saucer appeared and then disappeared. Like there's always some level of explanation to it. I have a theory. Do you think that the Pentagon are now saying, yeah, 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 that could be a UFO because actually what was in the sky was another Bezos experiment and, <laughs> and the Pentagon are now of the opinion that if we actually knew what Bezos was doing in our airspace, people would be going, oh my God, it's Moonraker, but not so camp. <laughs> so instead they're going, no, 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 no. It's not some sinister James Bond villain with a rocket and a flamethrower attached to it. It's a UFO because, because maybe the existence of aliens is actually in people's minds now less of a threat what Bezos is actually getting up to. Well, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. We've talked about my gambling on this podcast plenty of times, and I'm a sucker for a good bet. And 20 to 1, those are pretty sweet odds, but I don't know. I just feel 
at this point, you know, this is also a message to all conspiracy people. In 2021, it is impossible to keep a secret. Nothing you do can immediately be known to the world. There's so many people involved in all of these government things that eventually someone would get the word out and it would spread through the internet and that person wouldn't be found later on to be crazy. So <laughs> I feel the same way with aliens. Like by now, if there were some intelligent being out there, wouldn't they have shown themselves? If you look at the science of it, not to get all nerdy with it, but human existence on earth is such a fluke scenario that had to do with distance to sun and the different things that were in our atmosphere and on our planet. And you don't see that anywhere else in our galaxy. I get it. The universe is so far and it's it's infinite and something else could be in another universe that we don't even see. But the most likely scenario is if there is something living on another planet, it's probably living in the sense that like a plant is living. Not that they're these well-knowing beings that are so superior to us that they're going to come in some crazy contraption that makes them fly through universes and they're going to take over our world like in every sci-fi movie. Unless they're very uh, economically minded and they're looking down and going, oh, it's going to cost us so much fucking money to go down there. Wait till Bezos has figured it out for cheap with an Amazon deal and then we'll start coming and going. That might be a thing. The only thing... They'll be like, Have you, do you know Jeff Bezos? Have you seen Moonraker? They're definitely in with <laughs> Bezos. The only thing I can imagine aliens being real is if somehow aliens are act actively like controlling everything that's going on on Earth and we're just their TV show. That's the only scenario I could see being real. That's, I don't know. I think that's, uh, that, that, that might be a good theory. I am looking forward to the day that we are uh, hanging out with aliens and, and saying uh, on this podcast, man, this is some Moonraker shit. And the aliens go, yeah, but Never Say Never Again was far better. Right. <laughs> we got that years ago. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, aliens sound like robots. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's something else that I want to discuss before we go because it's uh, timely. And uh, here's a question for you. If you're an artist and you get to work with Mick Jagger, do you just say yes, even if the song's shit? I'm asking you, Dave Grohl. <laughs> if you haven't heard it yet, Mick, uh, Mick Jagger put out this, uh, this new song this week uh, that is a collaboration. It's not a Stone song. It's Mick Jagger and Dave Grohl. So Jagger sings and plays guitar. Because Jagger alone has had so much success. Well... We'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, Jagger sings and plays guitar. Dave Grohl is, is on drums and uh, playing guitar. So, you know, Mick Jagger teaming up with Grohl and Grohl in that musical capacity, like, I get it. Um, and Mick Jagger's done a song about lockdown, you know, England's coming out of lockdown um, this week. And um, so he's got this song called Easy Sleazy. I urge you to uh, to look it up on uh, online um, after you've heard this segment because it's three to four minutes of everything that proves that Mick Jagger really needs Keith Richards for quality control. <laughs> See, I feel like this song is kind of a shot at Keith Richards. I Easy sleazy, who could that be about? Well, that, that there's a good point. It's called Easy Sleazy. And if you check out the lyrics that are, they look like they could have been written by a fucking 12 year old who sat at home and with a notepad and paper during the pandemic because they were bored and they couldn't go to school. Um, he's doing a lot of rhymes about, it's like he made a list of things that people were, were um, 
angry about during the pandemic and then made them rhyme, but he sort of stuck them together. You know that Bob Dylan song, Subterranean Homesick Blues, where he's just listing things, right? (laughs) This is Mick Jagger's version of that, but nowhere near as good. Just making uh, certain statements or phrases regarding the pandemic rhyme. Musically speaking, I don't think it would, it's a bad song musically, but the lyrics are just embarrassing. And he sings them like all in one key. And here's my second point about this. And again, it's difficult for you to frame how bad this is if you haven't heard the song and seen the video. But I feel like, and I've got a lot of time for Mick Jagger. I'm one of these people that defends later day Stones albums. A lot of my friends are like, oh, once it got beyond like 1965, they were crap. I don't agree with that. I love the Stones. I I wanted to go see them in Dallas, but you know, the shows got canceled um, because of the pandemic, which I think is referenced in this song, you know, again, a really crappy lyric. Um, Musically, the song is fine. The lyrics are just terrible. And if you watch the video, because they've obviously filmed it separately, they're not in the same room. Dave Grohl's like drumming and playing guitars, but occasionally during the video, he's like singing backing vocals on some of these terrible lyrics. And you can just see the look on Dave Grohl's face. He's like, okay, I'm I'm doing a collaboration with Mick Jagger. That's kind of cool, but fuck me, these words. And he's like, oh man, this is kind of awesome. Mick Jagger's right there, but uh, I'm singing some stupid shit right now. <laughs> Literally, and I, and I wonder, like, if you're Dave Grohl, Mick Jagger, Dave, Dave, it's Mick. And I, listen, I've got this song. It's called Easy Sleazy. First of all, what the fuck is sleazy about a pandemic? That's what I mean about bad lyrics. That's what I'm telling you. It's not about the pandemic. That was just a marketing play. It's clearly about Keith Richards. <laughs> no, it is. It is about the pandemic because the lyrics are so blatant, like a 12-year-old would write. And 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 so Easy Sleazy, again, that's ridiculous. So imagine, like, Mick calls up Dave Grohl. And, you know, Dave Grohl, I, the most recent Foo Fighters album came out two months ago. It's not their best stuff but it's good Dave Grohl still got a lot of good 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 music in him and musically this song is is fine I think Dave Grohl must have got these lyrics and gone I mean I say yes but do I go back to Mick Jagger and go can I rewrite the words? And, and and by the way, just give me five minutes because I can make them better in five minutes. I think what's probably happening is maybe he's getting tired of being with the Foo Fighters. You know, he's revamping that resume. He's like, all right, you know, Nirvana, that's awesome. Foo Fighters, it's really historic. But like, you know, if I just had did a song with Mick Jagger at the top, that'll really launch my career to the next level. But that's the, I think that's the quandary that someone like Dave Grohl has because he's also done collaborations with, uh, you know, people of the the same level like he's done stuff with Paul McCartney and so I think and I get this even though Dave Grohl is one of the most famous people in in music it's a level above when you're ticking off okay I've worked with a Beatle I've worked with a Stone I've got right but I if if someone in the Foo Fighters when they were putting together a new album came to Dave Grohl and says I've got this song about the pandemic. It's called Easy Sleazy. Look, I've listed everything that people got a- angry about in the in the pandemic and made it rhyme. He would have gone, fuck off. This is going nowhere <laughs> near a Foo Fighters album. But because it's Jagger, and again, I say, if you look at the video, just look at the look on Dave Grohl's face when he's having to sing backing vocals to some of these these lyrics. I just wish that more, you know, like historic, iconic, older artists would take uh, music the same way that Billy Joel does these days. You ask Billy Joel, oh, you're so great at piano. Why don't you put out new music? He'll literally tell you, 
The fans don't want that. I wrote all my good music, and all I care about now is classical music. So I'm just not going to put out new music. I'll play my old stuff. I'll play new stuff for me on a personal level. But for some reason, every time one of these old artists put out an album or anything, it gets the critical acclaim, but no one actually listens to it. As a rule of thumb, if you were famous 30 years ago, we shouldn't have to listen to what you're putting out now. (laughs) I think in a lot of cases that might be true. And I don't know. I mean... There's supposed to be the Stones haven't put out an album in about 15 years, and apparently there there's enough material for it for a new one. I would be quite interested in this because you do have that yin and yang Jagger Richards thing going on, and if you check out Easy Sleazy, that's what happens when Jagger has all of the control and there's no quality control from Richards. Because however grizzled and drug fucked and drunk Keith Richards is, he has enough wherewithal uh, as a man of nearly 80 to be played this as, say, a demo that Mick Jagger's made at home. And Keith Richards would probably, like, listen to it and then put the bottle of Jack Daniels aside and go, Mick, this is why that last solo album that you made called Goddess in the Doorway, I called Dog Shit in the Doorway. (laughs) He's probably more like, realistically, Mick, you know we haven't had a good song since we gave up the heroin. Let's just stick to what we know. I will say this about the video, though. Mick Jagger, I mean, what? He, right at the start of the pandemic, didn't he have, like, brain surgery or something like that? Oh, he had heart surgery. He had heart surgery. Meanwhile, he is hopping around doing the Mick Jagger thing like he was... 20 years old in he, the video. He doesn't look anywhere near his age. He's still extremely fit. If only the new music was as equal to his workout regimes in 2021. See, I'm cool with just, I can put it on mute and just watch him do like the weird things where his arms <laughs> fell and his lip first. Me and one of my best friends, we used to play a game back in high school. It was called Do Your Best Jagger. Right. And when we, uh, we went to different schools. We weren't always together. But if you got a text or if one of the other people said, Do Your Best Jagger, no matter what you were doing or where you were you had to drop everything and start dancing around like Mick Jagger let me go back to my original question though if you were Dave Grohl do you just say yes so you can tick off worked with Mick Jagger so you wouldn't have gone back and gone about these lyrics Mick like can I fax you some other ideas for the like because in in the Rolling Stone article that Mick Jagger's done about this this song um that he says that, you know, now the pandemic, now we've got vaccines and stuff like that. They fully intend to reschedule the Stones uh, American dates that didn't happen in 2020. And he says, uh, you know, my, I'm, I've stayed in relatively good shape, but it's a different level being in tour shape. I need to get in shape for the tour because these dates might come sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I was Dave Grohl, I'd say, hey, Mick, haven't you got a tour to get in shape for? Why don't you uh, go do a Zumba class on YouTube and I'll, wor- I'll work on some new lyrics for uh, Easy Sleazy. For a start, it won't be called Easy Sleazy. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Dave Grohl probably realized, you know, not everything can be dancing in the streets. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but having, having that on the resume that you have a song with Mick Jagger, I, the only thing I was surprised about is the fact that in that split screen video, Dave Grohl didn't start doing his best Jagger dancing around with his lips. Perched. <laughs> Again, 
dancing in the street terrible like i don't think about that that is that is okay it's a cover song but it's by mick jagger and david bowie two of the greatest artists in the history of music two of the most creative most successful artists of all time and yet you put them together and that's what they come up with like let's take this historic soul song and make it white baby i mean honestly and if you thought that was bad check out easy sleazy i i, I honestly maybe dave Roll was thinking all right well look i'm not going to tell mick that he needs to work on the lyrics but look it can't be as bad as their version of dancing in the street but oh yeah they found the way oh yeah <laughs> All right, I think we're done for another week. Uh, thanks for hanging out with the podcast. Uh, don't forget, didyouamerica.com is the place to go to if you would uh, like to send us any messages. If you want to listen to any old episodes, they're all there. You can also vote for Song of the Week. Uh, you can do that by going to the poll on my Twitter where I'm at Ian Canfield or vote for Song of the Week at didyouamerica.com. Didyouamerica.com, also the place you can buy our T-shirts. How lovely are they, Jeremy? Oh, they feel so good on your nipples. One last question. Do you think I'm still good for a Rolling Stones guest list after this episode. <laughs> <Probably> when <laughs> not, <right? laughs>